everyone. <laughs> Let's see what we can do in 12 minutes. Ooh, this could be fun. Um, it may be slightly longer than 12 minutes, but not that much longer. Um, for those of you that haven't met me, my name's Nick. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and we are stepping back into um, our talks on culture and the culture of Numa Church and becoming Numa Church. Um, and over the summer, we had some amazing panels where people were talking about how the culture is outworked in their day-to-day. And we're putting the magnifying glass back on specific statements um, in our culture here at Numa Church. And today, I'm going to be talking to us about one of my favorite, favorite things to speak on, which is why it's hard to do it in not very long. So I'm just going to really set Kat up, who's talking next week, to be able to bring you a bigger picture. I'm talking about the fact that God has a plan for our lives. And honestly, it is something I believe so deeply. I really honestly believe with every fiber of my being that God has a plan for our lives. And that is what I'm hoping to bring to us this morning as we look into this. So what we've done here at NUMA is we have, um, as pastors, as leaders, we've been before God and asking him to help us shape and describe the environment that we nurture that we want to see curate the things of God. And so this book, the cul- uh, I did bring it up, this um, culture journal, if you haven't got one, I would strongly recommend you get one. You can grab one from the back afterwards. Um, this really is a description of the dreams and visions in our heart. It's not a textbook. It's not um, like a manual. The idea is that in here is the life and the dreams and the visions that God's placed in our hearts for this church community and the impact that we see him having in and through us, that that is why we are taking the time to explore this, that it would become alive, that we would live the culture rather than just know the culture. Does that make sense? Like, if we can just all recite the culture statements, but no one's living them out, I mean, literally pointless. What a waste of time. This is about us living from this place. Um, And today, we are going to be talking all about this statement number four, God has a plan for our lives. If I could have my first um, slide, that would be great. Here we go. So these are our statements. Number four, this is where we're focusing today. I've talked about the Culture Journal. Um, And so these are the statements that we are leaning into. You guys have been stood up so many times today. We have been standing up and saying these together, but you know what? You can stay seated and say them, but can you say them like you mean them? Because if after number one you're not, I'm going to make you stand up. Is that a deal? So, um, So let's read these things together. This is what we're speaking about. Number one. We are a people of purpose and look to live from a place of knowing who we are, why we're alive, where we're going, and what impact we'll have on the world. We believe God has given us the freedom, gifts, and resources to fulfill what he has asked of us and live from a mindset of abundance, not lack. We embrace our differences and celebrate the unique part we're invited to play in the story of our family and communities. We know we are designed in the image of Creator God and are wired for creativity. We believe that I am who God says I am and I have what he says I have. Every time, like we spent a long time 
exploring how to communicate this culture. And every time I read things like this, a little bubble of excitement comes in me. Because like I say, if we could actually live like this, can you imagine... Can you imagine the change we would see in our own lives and in the lives that we lead? If we actually even just nailed one of those, can you imagine the difference that it would make? And I think it's timely that we're speaking about this today as we've been honoring our Queen. If there is someone who embodies knowing who they are, having a sense of purpose that they lived out throughout their whole life, I think she embodied it so beautifully. She knew who she was. She knew what she had been called to do. And she took it very, very seriously. But what I love is that she didn't do it alone. And whenever given even the smallest opportunity, she pointed to her heavenly father and said, I do it with him. If ever there was an example, as we look at this statement, that we can follow, it's right there. But what's interesting for me is I think one of the reasons she knew so keenly and was able to live with such a sense of purpose, that knowledge of who she was, is because she was born into royalty. She knew from a very young age who her family was and who her father was. And because of that knowledge, it shaped and it changed the way that she lived. She never woke up wondering, am I the queen today? Isn't that interesting? How often we wake up as children of the king of kings thinking, have I really got what it takes? Is this what you really say about me? We question it. Well, I question it all the time. And yet I doubt for a moment she ever woke up and wondered, am I the queen today? She just knew. She knew. And there were reminders everywhere of the legacy and the inheritance that she had stepped into. And I think that enabled her to live with great purpose because she knew who she was. And if we can take away only one thing from today, then I would say it is this. You cannot pursue God's plan for your life unless you first understand him as father. If you don't know him as father and understand who you are and your inheritance, pursuing his plans for your life will always look like striving. Always. Because if you're trying to pursue a plan for significance, when he's already said you're royalty, and if you're trying to pursue his plans to prove to yourself that you have value in the world or that you contribute, it's always going to fall short and it will feel burdensome and it will feel like a weight around your neck. The only way for us to pursue God's plans for our lives in a way that's life-giving is when we first know who we are and who he is and what he says about us. And that really is the main thing I want to say today. Sometimes we try and work out what's God's plan for my life, like it's a puzzle to solve. But All that happens then is we become into this striving should, should not mentality. I feel like I should be doing this with my life. I shouldn't be doing that with my life. We have regret. We have a sense of I should have gone that way. I think God would have wanted me to go that way. We live under this human striving that says if I can just live out his purpose, he'll be pleased with me. But what if he were pleased with you before you even got up in the morning? And what if he says your royalty before you even started to explore what his plans and purposes were for your life? What if you lived from that? Suddenly, 
pursuing God's plan for your life becomes something that's fun, not burdensome. It becomes something that makes you feel alive rather than weighted down. And the piece of scripture that I think so beautifully describes this is found in Romans 8. If you've got your Bible, turn to it. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation, but great news, it's good in every translation. Um, So open it up on Romans 8, and we're going to start at verse 14. And it says this, The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Now listen up. Listen really good. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, notice how it doesn't say, and if we are, and since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all he is and all that he has. We inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him. I mean, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. I mean, the whole of Romans 8 is like like a really good steak that you can just enjoy. Um, and if you don't eat steak, think of an equivalent thing that you love. And rich chocolate that you can really, really savour. You could spend hours in Romans 8 and God would reveal different things to you every time. But my message this morning is this. You were created and designed on purpose and for a purpose the end. You were created and designed on purpose and for a purpose. You weren't an accident, even if your human parents told you you were. Heaven wasn't caught out. You are not an accident. You're not some faulty human on the production line that got missed by quality control. That's just not who you are. You're not here to make up the numbers. How many people sat in this room actually believe that you're a little bit here to make up the numbers of humanity, and if you achieve something good, great, but you're not really one of those people. You know the people that change the world. You're not really one of those people. You're just here to kind of make up the numbers. Absolute and utter rubbish, like total rubbish. You're not here to make up the numbers. You, you personally were created and designed on purpose and for a purpose. And here's the great news. You don't need to invent a calling or a purpose to be significant. You don't need to strive after knowing that when you die, people will say, ah, but at least they did that. And as we get older in life and we start to think, what have I done with my life? 
The great news is you don't have to suddenly last minute invent something to create your own significance. You're royalty. You're already royalty. You're already adopted as sons and daughters of the king. And here's another piece of great news. Your past choices and experiences don't disqualify you from living out God's purpose. There's nothing you could have done in your past that can disqualify you from stepping into God's purposes and plans for your life now. And another piece of good news is that you don't need to measure your contribution in life to justify your existence. I'll say that one again. You don't need to measure your contribution in life to justify your existence. Like, what difference would it make if I wasn't here? That is a lie of the enemy. And it's a lie that plays in people's heads. And Chris and I were talking the other day um, about suicide, and we'd been watching a program, um, and we were saying it's one of the things that has this thing that rises up in us, that the fact that somebody would get to a point where they would honestly believe that it's better for them to not be here, for them and for others. Shouts and screams of the lies of the enemy having too much airtime, and instead the whisper of the father saying, you are my beloved child, is, is not overwhelming that. You didn't receive a spirit of religious duty saying you're never going to be good enough. He has a plan for you, and it is beautiful. And I'm actually just going to tell you a couple of stories, and then I'm going to finish. When we went to Bogota uh, in June, we went to an incredible church um, called Aviviamento. It means revival. And, um, and we learned that Pastor Ricardo is a church of tens of thousands. We were there with 20,000 uh, for a conference. Um, And we learned that Pastor Ricardo starts every day at 6 a.m. And from 6 until midday, he spends time with his best friend, the Holy Spirit. And he just shuts himself into a room. And he spends six hours hanging out with his best friend, the Holy Spirit. And then at 12, he opens the door and goes and leads the church and lives his life. Now, that is how you follow the impulses of the Holy Spirit that we've just heard there. Now, I know immediately there's people here being like, six hours, I can't find 10 minutes. But do you know what? Do you even find 10 minutes? And do you, in that 10 minutes, seek to cooperate with what he's doing in your life and follow the impulses of him? Is that what's happening? Or has it become religious duty? Has it become, I do my quiet time, I listen to my lectio, I read my Bible, and then I pray for the people on my list? All good things, unless it's religious duty. In which case, I would suggest maybe not such a great use of that time. Yes, those things are tools to help us discover God's purposes, but how quickly can the things that are meant to bring us freedom just tie us up in religious baggage? So that is how he leads the church. You might not have six hours, but I would suggest how, many, how much time are you spending drawing away with the Holy Spirit as your best friend? Even just start there as your best friend. 
We spent some time recently with some pastors who were telling us a story. He's in his 50s, and he was saying for the first time in his life, he's, been, he's known Jesus pretty much his whole life. He's been leading a church. He's a very um, competent leader. Uh, he's not just leading in the local church. He's leading in different things globally as well. And he said he's just discovering what God is like as a father now in his 50s. And the story he used to describe it was, as he's discovered what God's like as a father, he's getting bolder to ask him for things like a child asks a dad. And he was due to go to America for something, and in COVID land, he had to go via Canada, because he had to be in Canada first to be able to go over to America. And he basically, he described that the last year of his life has been the hardest and worst life of his year of his entire life. And these guys have lived a really, really hard life with a lot of trauma. And he said this last year was the worst. But in it, he's met God as father. And he ended up sitting before God and saying, do you know what I'd really love? It's just some place to sit by a lake and just meet with you and just replenish and refuel. The next day, he walks into a meeting with somebody, and he mentions he's got to go to Canada before America, and they're like, oh, my mum has a lakeside house in Canada. Um, Do you want me to see if it's available for you? And then he says, okay. And then he gets there, and it's the exact picture of what his heart desired. But do you know what? Before he could step into receiving it, he had to know God wanted to give it to him. And that God as a father is good and you can ask him for things. And God is just there wanting to reveal his plans and purposes for our life. And one other quick story. Another leader um, had, had terrible financial issues. had basically become bankrupt. Um, they'd been living on absolutely on a shoestring for everything. And God started to speak to him about, do you know that you live from a place of abundance, not lack? What do you want? Ask me. And so he, in an audacious moment, said, I'd love you to pay off my mortgage. And uh, he went to speak at a conference a while later. This was his audacious prayer. And God was like, test me and how good I am as a dad. He went to speak at a conference and there was a queue of people waiting for him afterwards. And in this queue, a man came to the front. He said, please, can I have your mobile number? And this guy was like, "Mm, you know, don't really want to give out my mobile number. And he said, I need to speak to you about something. And he rang him and he said, God's told me to pay off your mortgage. But what's fascinating is that he was still learning what God was like as a dad. And rather than say yes, he was like, oh, I'm worried about what that will do to your finances. And that's probably not good. And this guy said, don't worry, God's told me to sell one of my boats. (laughs) At which point he was like, okay. Um, But here's the thing. If we want to step into God's plans for our life with a mindset of abundance, not lack. A... He's not going to pay your mortgage off if A, you don't ask, B, you don't think he can, or C, you don't even think he wants to. What's the chances? What's the chances of that happening unless you cooperate with how much he wants to actually live life with you to see you step into abundance? And maybe it's not a mortgage for you, but do you know what? There is something about if we want to run after God's plans for our life, we have to first align our thinking with the fact he is a good father and we are loved by him. And the last thing I will say is this. I felt like as I was preparing this, that we have people in this family here at Numa who say, I've missed the boat. I think it's a bit, it's a bit late now for me to be stepping into God's plans and purposes. Surely that's for people in their 20s. <laughs> rubbish, total rubbish again. 
Actually, do you know what? It's never too late because God has been weaving his purposes in your life your whole life. And actually, why would he suddenly get you to an age and then go, yeah, we're done with you now. You can just go out to pasture. It's just rubbish. It's total rubbish. Don't believe it. He's got a plan for your life, whether you are one week old, whether you're 100, whether you're 110. He still has a plan and purpose for your life, but it starts with cooperating with A. He wants you to step into his purposes. B, he's not going to leave you in a place of lack. It's going to be from a place of abundance. And see, he's not going to waste anything from your life. He's going to use it to step you into his plans and purposes. Let's stand and we're going to pray. Father, right now, I ask that you would release us from the burden of trying to discover what your plan is for our life. And instead, you would invite us into submitting and cooperating with your plan for our life. Not through striving or effort or trying to discover, but instead through sitting back, inviting your spirit and cooperating daily, minute by minute, hour by hour with what you have for us and doing it knowing that we are royalty and that we have the inheritance of the King of Kings available to us to fulfill those plans and purposes. As we prayed earlier, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. And I thank you that we don't need to bow down to a spirit of religious duty or the fear of not being good enough, but we right now, as Numa Church, as sons and daughters can say, We have the spirit of full acceptance and we invite you to have our way as we pursue the plans and purposes you have for our life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Great stuff. I would encourage you to go and get your children and thank the kids team for having them if you have. And we're praying Wednesday night. We're praying every Wednesday for the next 11 more weeks at the Beehive. We had 42 people praying and declaring over Ashford on Wednesday. That's a miracle. So come and join the party Wednesday night, 8 o'clock. There'll be Talk Plus. We'll be available online for more stuff. Get in a culture group. Stay around for tea and coffee. um, And we will hopefully catch you at something soon. Thank you for listening to Numa Sunday's podcast. For more information, go to numachurch.uk, where you can find more ways to connect with us. Have a great week, and remember you're loved.